So straight off the bat, the question I want to ask you is, what is your step? This man has got up and described over the eight weeks what is God doing in his life, what is God saying to him. I feel the question we need to be asking ourselves is, what is my step? Because your step might become your story. Your step might become your testimony. Your step might lead you to stand up here and encourage us with what God is doing in your life. And so ask God. Practically ask Him. What is your step? So friends, this evening, we're going to be landing this journey. We've been spending the last seven weeks going through this deeper journey, getting to know more about the Holy Spirit, getting to deepen our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I trust that you've enjoyed it. Have you? Absolutely. I love, I love the subject of the Holy Spirit. I love the person of the Holy Spirit. To me, it's what, it, what brings, it's what brings my relationship alive. Is when every day, Lord, what are we doing today? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? And so I trust that your relationship through obedience, through trusting, has deepened over these last seven weeks. As I sat prepping for this over this past week, friends, I was listening to some of the some of the preachers again just to remind myself what are the truths that have been spoken. And some of the takeaways, the one liners that I've that I've I've I remember and have struck me and have stayed with me are sentences like this you can't grow in the Holy Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit at the same time. They are completely opposing. We can never think we're gonna grow and grieve. We have to repent, turn back, and God will grow us. If we want more of the Holy Spirit, you heard Errol reference that again. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, you've got to be prepared to give Him more of you. It's a two-way thing, this, friends. Any relationship, if you're in a relationship, you will realize, friends, that the depth of your relationship is very dependent on how much you are prepared to invest in that relationship. If it's all about, well, how much are you going to give me? Understand, it's going to be very shallow. But the more we yield to the Holy Spirit, the more we give Him of our lives, the more, friends, we can expect for Him to deepen us. Our lives won't evidence on the outside what hasn't already been worked on the inside. I love that. Our lives, friends, we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We talk about being fruitful. We will never produce fruit, friends, unless we allow the Holy Spirit, God's Word, God's Spirit, to work in our lives. What happens on the inside determines what is evidenced on the outside, friends. And then last week we heard Brent sharing with us. And my takeaway from that preach was, as we continue to pray, we continue to deepen. Continuous prayer leads to continuing deepening, friends. And so we've been encouraged to pray. And so I would love to leave this big idea with you as we look to try and land this journey this evening. The idea that I'd love to leave with you, friends, is this, that the love of Jesus finds you, 
the good news of the gospel, the fact that we have a Savior, there was one who went to the cross, who did what we could not do, shed His blood so that we could receive that that we were not worthy of, friends. Salvation, restitution, reconciliation. The good news saves us, friends. It's Jesus' love that finds us. It's the good news that saves us. But it's the Holy Spirit that partners with us, that draws alongside us, friends, and grows us. My experience has been, in my walk with the Holy Spirit, is that He does not leave me the way He found me. He does not leave me the way He found me, friends. He continually wants to grow. He continually wants to shape. He continually wants to mold. How does He do this? Well, he leads us, friends, to greater depths of revelation. John 14, John 16 says he will guide us into all truth. Ultimately, friends, the Holy Spirit changes us by revealing Jesus to us. He leads us to greater depths of effectiveness. I love this. Remember the the, the series we did last year, the Gifted series? Who was here that's that did that series last, last, last year? Can you answer this question? At the end of that journey, at the end of hopefully having God awaken a gift inside of you, were you the same at the end? Or had God begin to shape and mold you, reveal something to you, take you on a journey of discovering who you are in Him? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does, friends. 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the list of the gifts that he has. And when you go and read 1 Corinthians 12, friends, it says there it's the Holy Spirit who apportions these gifts. He leads us, friends, into greater effectiveness. He doesn't leave us as he found us. He leads us, friends, into greater understanding. I don't know about you, but I love to know secrets. God has secrets about you. Do you know that? Do you know that? God has secrets that He wants to reveal to you, friends. And guess what? It's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal those secrets to you. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 to 12. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, capital S. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. So not only, friends, does the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth, John, John 12 and John 14, sorry, John 14 and John 16, but the Holy Spirit guides you into your truth. Your purpose, your calling, what God has, the plans and purposes that He has for you. He guides us into greater depths of fruitfulness. We've already spoken about that. And I love this one, friends. He guides us into a greater calling on our lives. We read in one, Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. By a show of hands here this evening, who are God's witnesses? 
Let me ask the question again by a show of hands. Who are God's witnesses? Truth be speaking, every single one of us should be putting up our hands because this job is not just for the evangelists. This job, friends, is not just for those that are called to go to Dugudugu or to go to Swaziland or Mozambique or India or Pakistan. Friends, we are all called, Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power to be my witnesses. I love this phrase that a guy called Francis of Assisi said. He said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, also use words. Preach the gospel, hear this, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, also use words. What is he saying? He's saying, friends, that your lifestyle speaks louder than the commentary and the words out of your mouth. Every single one of us, friends, are called, Acts 1-8, to be witnesses through our lifestyle. When you are at school, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're in your community, when you're in your connect group, when you're in your church, when you are wherever you are, friends, understand your life is on display. We are called to be witnesses, friends. And so God, through His Holy Spirit, does not leave us the same. So let's turn to Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 6. This is our text that we've sort of rooted this journey in. And I'd love just to read it one last time. And trust that God will speak to you and speak to us through this again. We're going to read the first six verses. Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 6. The context here is we see the prophet speaking about a vision that he is having. And in the vision, friends, he is being led. He's been led by a man. Commentary says it may be God himself, it may be the angel, it's really irrelevant. The fact is, is that the guy's been led, friends, and that's what we are going to be reading about this evening. So he says, in my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. <laughs> I said to the, the morning crowd this morning, I said, please don't get caught up in the confusion of all the rights and the lefts and the south, and then it's the north becomes a little bit distracting if you're anything like me, trying to figure it out as you read. It says, The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. You understand what I'm saying? It's like measuring as he went. He took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. And then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. So if you're anything like me, I love to work with pictures in my head. And so as I'm reading, I'm picturing this man being led. And he is pacing out 1,750 feet, which is obviously quite far. And every time there's a very specific measurement, the man has stopped, the prophet has stopped, and he has led into the river. 
First time round, ankle deep. Second time round, knee deep. Third time round, waist deep. Fourth time round, it says, Then he measured off another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me this. He turned to me and he said, Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the river bank. Friends, this evening what I want to share with you very briefly is the power that is to be found in being a child of God who is prepared to be led. Now you might say, ah, Quentin, I've come to church tonight to hear about that. I'm saying yes. Because it may be simple, friends, but yet it's fundamental. If we go back to Jesus, when he called his followers, when he called his disciples, those that would one day be the apostles, those that would be vested with the responsibility of planting and leading the early church, those that were incredible men of God, doing incredible things for God. Where did their story begin? Well, you read, friends, at the beginning of the epistles, Jesus came and said, once you have gone to Bible college, once you have studied and proven yourself, then I can work with you. Is that what we read in the Bible? No. It's a very different Bible if that's what we're reading. Friends, we see the way Jesus did things when he went around and the question that he asked was this. Will you follow me? The only qualification, friends, for beginning a journey with Jesus is whether you, is how you are prepared to answer that question. That determines whether you will go deeper or whether you will be stuck stuck on the riverbank. We cannot go, friends, to the places where God wants to take us through an academic or intellectual exercise. Our feet take us there as we choose to follow him, friends. Jesus' way was follow me and I will make you. Now we know that Jesus went back to heaven, right? We know that he gifted us the Holy Spirit. What was the mandate? What work was the Holy Spirit given? To come and entertain us? No? 
The Holy Spirit was given to us, friends, to continue the work that Jesus had already started. And so we shouldn't find it surprising at all if the way that the Holy Spirit works with you and I is exactly the same way the Holy Spirit, sorry, the way Jesus worked with his disciples. Just like Jesus came to his disciples and said, will you follow me? Because in the following is the making. The Holy Spirit comes to us every day, every decision, every moment, and says, will you follow me? Because in the following is the making. In the following, friends, is the opportunity to go deeper, depending on the decisions that we make. And so I would love, just for the sake of time, I mean, I had a couple here, but I I feel that I only want to share maybe one or two of ways of how to be led by the Spirit of God, friends. Because if it's Jesus' way to choose to lead, we need to understand, friends, how to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. So let's get stuck in. Number one, we are led, friends, by the Spirit of God by getting to know the voice of God. We are led, friends, by the Spirit of God by getting to know the voice of God. We get to know the voice of God, friends, by learning to meditate on His Word. John 1 verse 8, Joshua 1 verse 8, sorry, says this, speaking about or speaking to the leader of the nation of Israel at that time, Joshua. Moses had passed on. God came to Joshua and said, you're the man. You are going to lead these people into the promised land. And these were, the, these were the words. This was the encouragement. This was the guidance that Joshua was given. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have Good success. The message says, and don't for a minute let this book of revelation be out of your mind. Ponder it. Meditate on it day and night, making sure that you practice everything in it. Because then you will get to know where it is that you are going. You see, friends, the nation of Israel... Besides being on a journey into the promises of God, besides being on a journey into the inheritance that God said He had for them, they were also on a journey of getting to know their God. They were also on a journey, friends, of going deeper in their revelation of God. For 400 years they had been in Egypt. Four generations in Egypt. Those that knew God had passed on. Possibly the third and the fourth generation, friends, grew 
were raised not knowing their God. God realized that he needed to take them on a journey of revelation of who he is. And so that's why when you read through the Exodus journey, through the deserts, seeing how God intervened, seeing how God provided over and above meeting very real and material needs, God was showing them who he was, teaching and training them, friends. They were getting to know their God. Up until this point, where Joshua is now about to lead them into the promised land. If we want to go deeper in our relationship, friends, we need to recognize his voice. Joshua was encouraged to meditate on the law, to meditate on the promises of God. When you do your quiet time, if you're anything like me, you will hear many voices. When you decide to sit down and do your quiet time, you will hear all sorts of urgent voices wanting to make themselves heard, friends. God says, learn in the midst of all of that to discern my voice, to put aside the pressing to-do list, to put aside the distractions that come through whatever enters your mind. Learning to meditate, friends. Learning to recognize God's voice. Learning to discern God's voice. This is the voice that I need to listen to. That comes through meditation, friends. I'm not a great journaler. I don't, I don't find any joy in journaling. Maybe you do, and that's, that's great. What I have learned to do, though, friends, is I've bought myself four little highlighters, four different colors. And as I felt God speaking to me, I have underlined in my Bible. If it's red, it's this. If it's blue, it's that. If it's green, it's this. I encourage you, friends, when you do your quiet time, when you do your devotion time, whatever you want to call it, please don't treat it as a tick-the-box exercise. I've done that. You know those little devotional apps? When you read that you are 148 days out of 190, and you go, oh, cook, I've fallen behind here. I better catch up. And it's like, do this devotion. Tick. Do the next devotion. I've got to catch it up. Anybody done that? I've done that. That is not, friends, how we learn to discern the voice of God. The encouragement is meditate. Now, that's not emptying your mind of nothing. It's rather filling your head with the word and then saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. Jesus understood, friends, the importance of understanding or discerning and recognizing the voice. John 10 verse 2, Jesus teaching, he speaks, he, he teaches, he says this, but the one who enters through the gate 
is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, what does it say? The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Next verse. The gatekeeper opens the gate, and the sheep recognize, friends, the voice of the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of him and they follow him because they know his voice. Please see the parallels here between Ezekiel 47 and this text. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Friends, it is critical. Critical that we prioritize learning to discern and recognize the voice of God. Fundamental to our Christian lives. I heard someone this week saying possibly this is one of the most fundamental things for a Christian, is to learn to recognize the voice of the shepherd, prioritizing his voice, discerning his voice, and then doing something with his voice. And then secondly, friends, how we led by the Spirit of God Well, we need to become doers of the Word of God. James 1 verse 22, he says, But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Friends, if we want to go deeper in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's going to require that we are not just those that hear, but those that do. Really practical. Really practical. How far would the prophet in the Ezekiel 47 text have progressed if he was one that only heard and did not do? Well, I think it's pretty straightforward. He would have been left on the riverbank. We need to be those friends that do, not just hear. Jesus was asked this question. What is the greatest commandment? Can you remember how he answered that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, right? He said that is the greatest commandment. Mark 12 verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I want to remind us as well, friends, that Jesus also said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Earlier this week, as I was just busy beginning to assimilate my thoughts for this talk, the reality crashed into my heart. The measure 
of how much I obey God's word is the measure of how much I love Jesus. How much do you love Jesus? Well, how much do you obey? That's what Jesus said. The measure of how much you obey God's word, friends, is a direct indicator of how much you love Jesus. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It flows from obedience, friends. How do we know that we are fully loving God? Well, I had to answer this question. Do I alter my lifestyle to fit the Word of God? Or do I alter the Word of God to fit my lifestyle? I was challenged with that. Guess what? I'm throwing that challenge out to you. How much do you love Jesus? Well, answer that question. How much of your lifestyle resembles what the Word of God says, friends? Because the reality is, is if there are areas where if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with God, this area of my life, Lord, I am altering your word to fit my life. Can I say, you need to love Jesus better. I need to love Jesus better. I don't want to come across heavy this evening, friends. But I encourage you to do a self-audit. A self-audit. Do we come every week listening to incredible preachers and walk away not changed? Or do we hear, adjust, adapt, repent, fall in line, prioritize, be obedient, become doers? Because God said, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. To be led by the Holy Spirit, friends, requires that we need to set aside our excuses, we need to set aside our issues, and we need to simply obey. Won't you stand, please? Friends, I would love to conclude this evening with a story. My wife and I, Nix and I, have been together for 20, well, going on 25 years this year. 31st of May was 25 years. Not married 25 years, just being together for 25 years. About 23 years ago, we had the opportunity, friends, of visiting Germany of visiting a city in Germany called Berlin. 
When we visited Berlin, there was an opportunity to go on a walking tour of Berlin. And we love to do these different things, things like food tours and, you know, it's just different, it's interesting. And so we thought, well, we're going to do this eight-hour walking tour of Berlin. 23 years later, friends, I can recount to you the emotion that I felt, the joy that I felt, the incredible richness of that day spent walking through Berlin, friends. Now, it's not because Berlin is a pretty city. It's not because we got to learn about East and West Germany, East and West Berlin. It's not because we got to learn, friends, about the wall that came down. It's not because, friends, we got to learn about the history. It's not because we got to experience some of the pain. But we spent eight hours with a guide. He was an honor student, a history student. He had spent years studying up around the history of the times, the events, the people, the stories behind the stories, the backstories of why this happened, how significant it was, who it was. And for eight hours, friends, he had us in the palm of his hand as he didn't go around just pointing out sights, but getting us to experience and to feel and to have emotion and to become part of what happened. That guy, 23 and a bit years later, friends, has left a memory for Nikki and I that we will never forget. At the end of that tour, eight hours later, walking around with absolutely tired feet, we sat down with the rest of the tour group, and he wanted to dismiss us. He wanted to say, okay, now we're done, go. And we said, no, we're not going. Tell us more. Tell us more. We want to know more. John 14, John 16, friends, tells us the Holy Spirit is the guide that will guide us into all truth. What is it that you want to know about life? What is the backstory that you want to know about Whatever. What is the motivation? What is the passion that you would love stirred up in your life? What is the purpose? What is the understanding? What is the revelation? What is the effectiveness? What are the answers around, Lord, why am I here? What is the purpose? How deep do you want to go? Because God says, it's here. The secrets that I have for you, I want to make known to you by my spirit. And so I don't know what questions, friends, 
you're asking right now. I know the questions I'm asking about my life, about my marriage, about my family, about Outlook Church. I know the questions I'm asking, friends. I want to know more, Lord. I know there is more. I know there is a backstory behind every story. Reveal it to me. Tonight we're landing this journey, friends, because we have to. But my encouragement to you is it doesn't need to land in your life tonight. It doesn't need to end. You have the Holy Spirit. You have access. Won't you continue to pursue a deepening relationship with Him? As He takes you deeper into an understanding of who you are and who God is. Won't you close your eyes, please? And so, Father, we thank you that, Lord, you say you never leave us, you never forsake us. We thank you that you fleshed that out because you realize that when Jesus leaves, there needs to be a way for this to continue. We thank you that you gifted us your Holy Spirit to continue the work. But we also recognize that we have a part. We have a responsibility. We are those that need to be led. We are those that are called to follow. And so I pray this evening that we would continue to make the decisions that are needed to keep following you. Thank you that you will always continue to lead as we choose to follow. Work in us, we always say. Work through us, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.